With us today is Lisa Headley, Ayurvedic practitioner, founder of the Mayflower Spa. This is Lisa Headley's strategies for dealing with stress. I'll say it again. You've got to be kidding. You are actually going to talk about moderation at this time. I am. Okay. And you have tools? talk about moderation. I'm going insane watching people, watching people and their excesses and my own. You know, you get sucked in to these, these fads and ideas about what we should and shouldn't be doing, which lead to this incredible excess. I've just never seen anything like it. No, it's I, I, so I think it's increased. That's my point, is that I think that moderation has decreased. Yes, and observationally, I, and I don't know whether it's because people are just reacting to everything. Uh-huh, that's what uh, I think. But it, th- there is a decided dearth of moderation and it's this this swing it's always going to be like this this is just one teeny moment if here's what i would recommend now this is your show but if everybody could walk around with a giant projection of the cosmos that whenever they got fussed they could just look at it for a second to just get a sense of perspective (laughs) that's a very good one that is actually a meditation that we do there's a practice, a guided meditation where you take people from they're lying relaxed, you do a whole body relaxation piece, and then they're relaxed and you tell them to rise up above their body, watch their body, and then rise up so they can see the building they're lying in, and then you can see the town or the city, and then you can see the county, and then you can see the whole continent, and then you're rising up and up and up until finally you're in the cosmos and you're looking back. And you just experience that. What does that feel like? What does that seem like? What does that look like? What does that do to the way you see yourself? And then you bring them slowly back, 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 back till they're in their body in this room at this time. And it's a great practice because even if it sounds in any way hokey to somebody listening to this, you, you're there, you do it, and you just feel this sense. Of, it, it always gives me a great sense of freedom. I don't feel so persnickety and, and, and individual. And that's a fantastic thing. Of course, it's the goal of a lot of Eastern um, thought and, and guidance spiritually is the sense that you're part of a greater whole. And as part of a greater whole, you, you, you do your thing, which is contained and smaller than, than you think and bigger than you think, because you are you and there's nothing more than you. And it's really important perspective to get. So I like your idea because I think that's exactly right. Um, what happens, I, I think, I mean, I, I, you know, I am no sociologist or whatever, but I think that, um, well, it should be really intellectual, but, or maybe it's not intellectual, but Christopher Lash started this whole thing about the culture of narcissism years and years ago, thinking about it that way. And I think that we all get so in our own narcissistic heads, and then that is fed by this incredible onslaught. So, you know, I, you cannot go in a supermarket now and not find, I, I was in the health food store the other day and nothing had gluten in it. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, they've erased gluten from the face of the universe. And, you know, gluten is gluten. Gluten is not, most people are not. No, gluten really, is gluten intolerant. Most people, gluten is a protein that is <laughs> That people need. It just makes me laugh. And, and, I, except, and, I, and by the way, and you have to now 
add this disclaimer. It's not for the people. This is for people who have celiac disease and for people who have legitimate gluten intolerance. This particular conversation is not for you, but it's for everybody. And And that is about 1% of the population. Some people say it's now 5% of the population. But it's not, you know, it's, it's, yeah, maybe, but. I, I I don't have I don't have the numbers. I'm not going to debate that. But there is the, the other thing that has happened in this is, and I don't know whether it is the it's twofold. You know, because of the availability of information, and because people don't know what they don't know, um, it's 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 <laughs> critical thinking is taking a beating. And well, so, but, so here's the other thing. Yes, it's completely critical thinking. I agree with you 100% because what happens is, and I, I use the example, I actually did a blog post on this this week, which is why it was in my head to talk about on the website. And it is about kale. I had read this article about, I mean, for, for months now, I had been hearing this sort of noise in the nutritionist community. Oh, what, the kale noise? That's, the that, kale that's noise. as cr- crazy with a K as the gluten. No, no, no. I mean, we all know that the kale, the kale noise has been going on for a while. In fact, the French have even adopted kale, even though they think it's a horrid little cabbage-like vegetable. But the, 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 the damage that too much kale does. So, you know, yeah. there's people... Are, and I have clients, you know, my, my perennial juice. Clients with a K. Right. With people. You know, when you make a juice out of a vegetable or a fruit, you are not having one apple. You're having 22 apples in that. Sometimes 16 ounces. People are walking away from juice places with a 16-ounce juice in their hand. Do they know what they're drinking? No, because... because what it... they've done is they've stripped out all the fiber, <laughs> and they are drinking the pure juice, which is fantastic in moderation. One apple a day will keep the doctor away, but one apple a day will keep the doctor away along with the pectin and the fiber and the skin and the blah, blah. One, you know, helping of kale, fantastic. All kinds of great stuff in there. It's really an issue. And by the way, the uh, website is lalife, L-A-H-life.com. But what's, what's, what's incredible in this is how quickly through, and this is... This is part of the problem and not part of the solution. And where I get individually, personally, um, fatutzed is that it's being used as a solution, which means that the problem is only multiplying exponentially. That is, little bits of misinformation can be broadly disseminated very quickly. But sometimes, yes, that is completely true. And sometimes, just in all fairness, these are true information. You know, kale, use the kale example. Kale really does have a lot of benefits. It's a terrific, potent, you know, as well as berries and Right, but whoever else. did the study didn't say only, you know, so, so what you should do is strip everything else out and juice kale. Okay, but we have two problems here. We have the problem of people not understanding, and, and we, in this, oh boy, in, in this culture and in, with our technologies, people have really have this problem, where they think, oh, this must be great, so they then, yes, strip out, strip it away, isolate it, and think, oh, now I'm getting all the benefits. Well, we have proven time and time again with various supplements, and, and Ayurveda understood this many, many years ago, the synergy of different elements are mysterious, how they work together, the effect that things can have, sometimes the unusual effect. We've talked about this before, that word prabhav 
in Sanskrit, which is the term used in Ayurvedic medicine for when something has an, an action in your body that you can't fully explain. We have them all over the place in modern Western medicine. Aspirin is one. Nobody knows how aspirin works. We're learning some ways in which it can be very bad for you, like we've known for years. You don't give aspirin to a child with a fever. You can cause Rye syndrome. There's lots of, you know, the tidbits come in, and as they come in, they get reported with varying degrees of intensity. So you go either crazy and decide you're never taking aspirin again, which also is wrong. Um, but you just have to really understand that, first of all, things have properties that are complex and their properties are intertwined with the wholeness of what they are. It's like holistic medicine itself. It's like the concept of looking at our human bodies, me, myself, when I'm trying to feel better, be better, be well. I have to look at my system as a whole. By simply deciding that I'm going to drink antioxidant juices for the next week because I've heard they're good does not help me. In fact, it may harm me because of things that are going on in my personal body or the way things react on me. It's why just to use another example, the idea that a lot of our modern Western medicines are modeled on a male of about, you know, 175 pounds, but here we are women, many of whom are 110 pounds. Does it make any sense that that medicine should have the same action on the dosing? Shouldn't be different? No, it makes no sense. But that's not the way the world works because the world is quick and the world is... You know, we're so advanced that we've advanced straight out of any logic in thinking about these things. The first issue definitely is this issue of remembering that you cannot strip things apart from their essential whole and expect them to have the benefits that they have. You can, it may be, it may work that way by chance, but it's not a good practice. So juicing in itself has some issues. There's various ways of juicing and people will claim, oh, you know, I can keep that juice on my shelf for a week because I produced it in certain ways and then I sealed it right away. Well, I kind of say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I say no. I say if it's been juiced, if it's been denatured and altered enough to have changed its form, then I want it fresh, fresh, fresh. I'm going to subscribe pretty much to the make your juice, drink it within 20 minutes, no matter what process you're using. And I realize that's not always possible and people want to buy ready-made juices and that's okay because it doesn't mean they're not going to still have some benefits, but the full potency and benefit is going to be in the immediate. So right there is an example of really paying attention to the way we're processing things and, and working with them. But the other moderation issue is simply figuring out how much of a thing to do and not to do. And I have so many clients who I will tell, aloe is a good one, I'll tell them, aloe is fantastic for blah, 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 recommend it. Two ounces in the morning, if you tolerate that well, then I would go for two in the morning, two in the evening, for certain conditions, for certain types of things. And they'll come back to me and they'll go, oh my God, it gave me such terrible diarrhea. And then we talk about how, how they much took they it, took? when they took it. And they took, you know, I told them two ounces of gel or four ounces of the juice and they don't listen or pay attention. I understand that. People are quick. And I always write things down as well. But, you know, I get it. People don't always pay attention or they're not, you know, savvy enough to. And so, yeah, they've been taking like triple the dose because they've been taking a gel instead of a juice and figuring, well, a cup can't be bad for me. It's this sort of thin 
simple thing. How bad can that be? Well, it can be bad. (laughs) So here's my question around that. Um, how is it, because I, I am seeing examples of this, you know, I, I, it's your show, I won't, I won't list them, but there are multiple examples on any given day, and it's, if, if people just, I, I, I would like to know, do you have a sense of why this is occurring, like wh- what happened to the ability to listen, or follow an instruction? I think you hit it earlier, um, that there is so much information, and the hysteria of the information is at such a pitch and people are outdoing themselves in terms of understanding how to get people to listen. You know, the marketing is just gone cuckoo and it's very effective in a lot of cases. And so I think, you know, got milk. Remember that campaign? (laughs) You know, the milk industry just decided that milk was the best source of calcium. So we should all drink tons of milk. Now I, I am, I drink milk. I use milk, real whole milk, but you know, obviously clean, non-pesticide, blah, 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 all of that stuff. But do I think that it's the best source of calcium for women and their bones and kit? No, <laughs> no, not necessarily. And I just, I, again, we are, we are talking of us. We, I think, come under the heading of women of a certain age, but nonetheless, the information that we have, we got from our mothers or parents when they were of this certain age and it was passed along. And what I want to say is it happens that I was always a water drinker. We had a, we, we just had a family, uh, one of those standoffs because I didn't like milk. There was a point at which I stopped liking milk. Okay. Yeah. No harm, no foul. We get our nutrients in a variety of ways, obviously, in terms of the systems in our body too, the way we absorb things. And so, it's really good to mix it up. So everything in moderation also includes this idea of everything. So I, I just keep urging, especially where diet and nutrition are concerned. You know, it's also true in exercise, for example. I remember when I was working at Pure Yoga, we were actually bringing it to this country and developing this different model for a yoga studio. And um, you know, a big sort of supermarket of yoga studios where you could really find all different practices and great teachers and da 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 da. And it came from Asia, where it had been incredibly successful, this particular brand. And what I came to learn was they were very proud of the fact that in Singapore and Hong Kong, people were coming to classes two and three times a day. <laughs> they were coming to these strenuous, intense, that happened to be what they were choosing, was the most strenuous, intense yoga classes. And I was just like, wow, that is anathema to the idea of what yoga is as a practice and as, and even as an exercise, even as a body conscious, health conscious, get your exercise person. It's cuckoo to overdo like that. It's a particular action on the joints in repetition, never good cross train cross fitness when you're doing it for fitness yoga you know the other types is a different thing in my mind because um it has moderation built into it when you're practicing it in a more grounded way but when you're using it in this gym like fitness sense then it's like any other gym like fitness practice it's you can overdo it you can and you and people do and I've heard of people who go to two spinning classes a day. It's an incredibly intense exercise. And it's a little cuckoo. And, and I, that just because a little's good, a whole lot is better. 
that's just simply a wrong algorithm for health and well-being. And the correct algorithm, and you know it's so funny, I was thinking about it as I was writing the post for this week, that, um, so I remembered that quote, you know, supposedly attributed to Mark Twain. Well, it's not the one, you know, everything in moderation, including moderation itself. Well, the fact is that no one's sure that he actually said that. But I like it, so you know what, we can attribute it to him. Um, because that's the point, is everything is subject to the same rules, including the thing itself. Exactly. And I think that it's just interesting how um, people are now predisposed to over, to immoderation. Yeah, because it requires discernment. So to go back to your question of why do I think and what do I think is going on, discernment is the important quality here. We sometimes call it awareness on this program, but it's really the action of discernment. And again, going back to my favorite framework, <laughs> to the land of Ayurvedica, discernment is a quality of the mind. It's a quality of the intellect. So there's the thinking mind, and then there's the mind that is, it's almost um, an automatic action for, for us, this discernment. And discernment can get clouded and crowded out by the intellect, meaning we can absorb this information about how, let's go back to kale. Kale is so fantastic, and so Wow, we can have it in chips, we can have it sautéed, we can hide it in our kids' brownies, we can, you know, juice it, we can have it all these ways, and it's on every menu, and it's in every store from snack chips to, as we say, so it's really easy to overdose on it, because it's around, because the, the, the marketplace has created availability in such a way that it's just everywhere, so back it up. And, you know, moderation in what you delete from your diet, too. Like, the gluten conversation is just hilarious. But remember years ago, because we were women of a certain age, the no-fat plans? Oh, yeah. Like, we all really thought that fat, and that included oils and avocado and anything with fat in it, just was evil. And I can remember being so proud to just be fat-free. I had just figured out a way to cut all fat out and my hair started falling out and I got, you know, dry and I just didn't feel good. And fortunately for me, I have a sensitive body. So that happened quickly. And, and fortunately realized, for you, you were able to see somebody who said, yeah, but that fat. Yeah. So I start. I said, whoa, that can't be right. And that is around the time I started looking into Ayurveda and seeing, you know, they, they eat ghee for crying out loud. <laughs> which right. is, you know, which is clarified butter um, because of its properties, because we know that those kinds of good fats like coconut oil and things can actually drive nutrients deeper into the tissues and help the tissues open up and release things that are toxic to them. So we actually need these, think of them as emollient factors. Think of it as little, you know, actions inside your body that make your body function better. And so the world now recognizes. And we have these conversations all the time where science comes back and says, whoa, whoops, you know, cholesterol. Well, let's really rethink the way we look at that. And so the only antidote I have to that is moderation because doctors come up with these things all the time and some of them are very tempting to believe at the time because they come out with such good evidence-based studies. Oh my goodness, they could prove the world to you. And so as mere lay people, which I consider myself as well in many respects, um, you just don't know what to think. You don't know what to think. It sounds so good, the hype, 
or the science or the whatever it is. And you just have to have a way to discern. And in the absence of a way to really discern, because I'm not a chemist, I can't go in and figure out if this is really true or not. The only way to do it in my book is moderation. And I always felt that way with supplements, for example. Like I never was a mega supplement person. I never decided that I should take tons of vitamin C and E and a lot more D. I just figure, hmm, well, maybe I could use a little bit of this because I see that I have a B12 deficiency. So I'm going to supplement that or I'm going to figure out why my system is not making enough of it. You know, one of the things that absolutely always strikes me about this, and I want you to talk a little bit about yourself, is it's not always easy to given the stresses and strains of life as people perceive it, to be moderate, and yet somehow you manage. It's really a process of just looking at what you're doing as you're doing it. And if you find yourself, let's use kale again as a silly example, but it's not silly. When you read this article, you go, holy moly, um, it's a very good example. Um if you find yourself laughing at yourself that, wow, I just see kale all over the place, like I dream kale, I wake up kale, I'm, there's kale on every menu and I'm ordering it because I think it's good, then you need to stop and slow down. So you've got to start to find ways to just plug moderation into your world. Anything you see you're doing excessively, you should probably back off of. And I'm, I'm willing to make that rule. I'm not willing to make a lot of rules that I say blanket to everybody. That one I'm willing to say. Now, I understand if you're training for a triathlon and you have to do what I would consider excessive exercise for the mere mortal, I get it. Make sure you're giving yourself the nutrients that you need to put back so that you're not depleting your systems. There's, on that front, I see a lot of young women. I see a lot of young women in my practice, actually. And I see a lot of the young women who are having various complaints, you know, from PMS kind of stuff to just imbalances in the body, which I think I can attribute straight back to overexercise. You burn out your systems. You, you overtax your systems. And when you're young, your body's so resilient that you basically don't feel it. It comes out only in these extreme examples, um, which are kind of accepted by society. You know, oh, everyone has PMS. Well, not everybody through the ages has always had PMS. PMS is very much a modern ailment in a sense. Of course, we've all had, I think, over time, you know, some symptoms of it. But I mean, over historical time. Yes. But it's proven that we have more of it. We have more premenopausal problems. And I directly attribute this to the fact that women burn themselves out. They overdo, and I'm not going to go into the Ayurvedic reasoning for it all, but suffice it to say that it's all matter of checks and balances. And when you overdo over time, especially when you're young, it adds up. And sooner or later, there's going to be a consequence to it. And it's not even, it, it's, it's such a good, the moderation habit, if you will, is it really a good thing to start young, just so that you're noticing it? Because then your discernment becomes sharper. And that's all you need. You need discernment so that you can say, I mean, I do it. You know, I, the reason I got on this kale kick was that I myself had found myself going, okay, well, I seem to be eating kale for dinner. And then, wow, they made these kale chips that I bought. And, that, and I saw that it was, it was infiltrating my world in a big way. And I thought, hmm. So I started researching kale. 
And I came up with this really excellent article that's talking about the real chemical properties and how they are attaching themselves in ways that can be deleterious um, in a real way. And a lot of women have thyroid issues and or are prone to them or susceptible to them. So you want to really be careful when you're fooling with things that are going to create thyroid problems because thyroid is your metabolism. And right, that's, and it all goes from there. Um, we are out of time, unfortunately. Speaking of moderation, but thank you very much. Lisa Headley, Ayurvedic practitioner, founder of the Mayflower Spa. Lisa Headley's strategies for dealing with stress. Lisa can also be found at lawlife, L-A-H-life.com. Hamara Sukun